Uh, and on the end of this, just want you to know that there is a, a little certificate for a free cup of coffee. So whoever gets this, oh my gosh, I almost killed her. Go ahead. <laughs> Last time I took it like way in the back. So go ahead if anybody wants that. Go ahead. Come on here. Wait here. I'm gonna. Come on, look at that. There it is, right there. There it is. No, it seriously is. There's a free cup of coffee on the end of that thing. There you go. So go ahead. You can grab it off the end of the, off the end of there. Didn't mean to kill you there. Some, some. We did that with a golf ball one time with a plastic golf ball, and the guy's just great, and he was supposed to hit it over, and he just like nailed somebody about six rows up. So, all right. So here we go. But we, you know, last week we we saw that in the book of James there is a. Um, there's a word that says entice, that that's talking about temptation. And, and it's a word that literally means to bait a hook. It's such a fishing term. And we took a look at different things about, uh, about, about fishing. And we saw that, uh, that it's not, just like it's not a, a, a problem for the, for the fish it, when the lure goes in the water. I mean, it's not the fish's fault. Neither is it a sin to, to be tempted. A lot of times Satan, you know, lets us know or th- makes us think that just because we're tempted that we've sinned in, in that. And we might as well go ha- along. And, and go with whatever the temptation is because we've already had those, those, those thoughts. But we saw that, that it's not a sin to be, be tempted because Jesus was tempted and yet was without, uh, without sin. We also took a look last week about that there was a... Um, that, that he uses different lures to uh, to attract us in different ways, just like a fisherman uses different different lures to attract different fish. He uses different lures to attract us. In other words, what uh, what may really get me may not get you in a temptation. What gets you may not affect me in any way. He, each one of us have our our things that that are more uh, that we're more susceptible to in, in temptation. Another thing we said is there's different times to fish. You know, I mean, there's there's times like right after rain or in the morning or right at dusk and things that are better for fishing than other times. And Satan knows something about temptation for us. He knows there's times that, that, that we're more susceptible than others. Maybe it's when we're, you know, when we've had a big success or a big failure, or maybe when we're on a business trip or whatever it is, or we're lonely or, or things. Maybe, you know, but, but also know that there's always a hook. There's always a hook. There's never going to be, you know, free something at the, at the end. There's always a hook that he, he never fle- feeds our flesh because he loves us. He feeds our flesh because he hates us and he wants to... And he wants to hook us. And it does remind me, the talk about fishing does remind me of a story. There was a, a drunk guy that went out and he was going to go, gonna go ice fishing. So he got out there and he, he, he drilled a hole and he, he's looking down in the hole and, and a, a voice booms from above that says, there are no fish down there. So he looks around, he goes about 10, 10 yards further and he drills another hole and he hears the same voice go, there are no fish down there. And he goes about 20 yards over a different direction. He drills a hole and the, the same voice says, there are no fish down there. And finally, the guy looks up and he said, God, is that you? And he said, no, it's the manager at this ice rink. <laughs> but today we're going to be, uh, and we saw last week the, the important thing is we saw that God gives three incredible promises when it comes to, to temptation. And the first one, it's, he says this, he says, no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. And he will always provide a way out from under it so you can stand up against it. 
And I want you to know that the, he, uh, there's never a temptation that we say it was too much for me. There's never a time that, uh, that there will always be a back door no matter what the temptation is. And God will always give us the power to overcome that temptation. And today, this is going to be really practical for all of us, including myself, that struggle with temptation and everything, that, that every one of us are in that, that, that category. This is going to be practical. Here are some of the ways we'll never get away from temptation. But there are a lot of things that we can do to, to make the temptations less or to make it where we have victory over those temptations. That's what we're going to be talking about to, uh, today. And the first thing is, is to stay away from the peers. You know, there are times in, in, in a fish, you know, there, there's going to be lures that come into the, the, the water anywhere where a fish is, but, but there's different places that are more dangerous than others for, for the fish. And around the pier is going to be a more dangerous place because there's going to be a lot of lures that are, that, are, uh, that are put in the water there. They're going to face a lot more temptation there than they would out in the open, in the, in the open sea. And in the same way, there's places and, and, and situations and things that, that, that come into our life that, that we just need to realize are dangerous for us. There are people sometimes. There are people that are dangerous for you in your life. There are people that are dangerous in, in, in my life. An, an example of this would be my, my desire, my temptation to take drugs completely, absolutely stopped when I stopped hanging around people who did drugs and started hanging around people that not only didn't do drugs, but were against doing drugs. Temptation stopped right there when I started hanging around different people. You know, uh, Joseph in the, in the Bible, that happened with, with him. Look at this in, uh, in uh, Genesis 39. It said this, you know, we took a look last week and saw that, there, that Potiphar's wife was tempting him on a regular basis saying, come to bed with me, come to bed with me, come to bed with me. And look how he handled it. He said, and though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused not only to go to bed with her, but even be with her. He's saying, you know, the smartest thing I can do is just stay away from this lady because she's dangerous for, for, for me. And the same way, maybe it's, it's not a person, maybe it's a place for you. Maybe it's a, a, a website or just an area of websites or, or t- different movies or different things like that. Maybe it's, it's something uh, virtual that, that is a temptation for you. Or maybe it's another place. Imagine this. Imagine, now I love ice cream shops, so I'm not, I'm not dogging them, but this is a situation that we can all deal with. Uh, and maybe there's, you have a friend that's, that's going on a diet and she's really trying to get on this diet and everything and she comes up and she goes, you know what, man, I just, I just can't get over this. The temptation just seems too much. So, and you say, well, where does it seem to, to, to get you the most? Every time I go in an ice cream shop and I order a hot fudge sundae and I get a scoop and I, I go like this, I'm tempted in a big way. And what would you say to that person? You'd say, stay away from the ice cream shop, right? And if the person said back to you, wait a second, you're so legalistic. There's people that go in the ice cream shop all the time. So what's, then you're thinking, time out. That's not the point. It's not the point is what, you know, what's legal and what's not. What's the smartest thing to do if you want to be on a diet and you're doing that? What's the smartest thing to do? You know, uh, my, I remember a, a kid in the, the youth group one time, not in this youth group, but one of, uh, when I was a youth pastor, came up to me and said, how far can my girlfriend and I go without sinning? And I thought, you know, that is so dangerous of question because you know what he's wanting me to do? He's wanting me to draw a line in the sand and what are they going to do? They're going to go up right next to that line as far as they can, aren't they? And then they're going to wonder why they fell, why they fell off. And I want you to think about two people that go up to the next to a cliff. There's a 500, you know, there's a 500 foot cliff there and one person is right here and they're leaning over and they're looking and everything and, and, and what would it take for them to fall? I mean, just tripping a little bit, right? A little bit of push from, from somebody else. A strong wind would get them over. Now somebody else is back here. 
And they're looking. They got the same view and everything, but they're back here. And it's going to take an awful lot to, even if they trip, they're not going to fall. Even if somebody gives them a push, they're not going to go over. Even if there's a strong wind, it's not going to move them much more than, much more than this. And sometimes we just dangle on the end when it comes to temptation. Then we wonder why we fall off. The smarter thing is, what is, is to ask ourselves this. What is the smartest thing that I can do in my situation? What is the smartest thing? How can I stay away from the temptations that, uh, that, that, give, me a hard, that give me a hard time? Here's what the Bible says. If your hand or your foot causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It's better for you to enter life maimed or crippled than for you to have two hands or feet and be thrown into eternal fire. And if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better for you to enter life with one eye than to have two eyes and be thrown in the fire of, uh, of hell. That's pretty strong words. And obviously Jesus isn't telling us that we're supposed to be lopping off body parts, right? He's going, but he's saying this, take drastic measures for the areas in your life that are, that are giving you a problem, that are giving you a, a, a struggle. I've had, uh, you know, I mean, back to my story, there was a, a, friend, of, a friend of mine that, that he, I was best friends with him since fourth grade, but I, I came to Christ and he made it very clear he had wanted nothing to do with Jesus. Most of my friends came to, came to Christ along with me. But then he, so he's going this direction. I'm going this direction. I want to follow Jesus. He's saying, I'm not going this direction. I'm going to go this direction. And I got a choice, right? I got a choice to either follow Jesus or follow him. And, and I had to say goodbye to my best friend from fourth grade because, because I knew him. And I knew he, that, that he was temptation. I knew that there was a lot of things he was involved in that I no longer wanted to be involved in. So I took a big step in that. I know there's uh, several, several young ladies in our church have taken, they knew that the person that they were dating was not the person that they should be dating, that they were causing them to do things and that, that, they, that were against their, their beliefs, their convictions as a, as a Christian. And I know several of them just took some, some drastic steps there. I know of one, one lady that came up to me and said this, said, I stopped hanging around the people I used to hang around with at the office, said, my, my, my marriage is so much better now. I said, what are you talking about? And she said this, she said, all they did was gossip and bash their husbands. And I was in that festering thing, and all I did was think negative, negative, negative about my husband. I started hanging around people in the church, and my whole relationship with my husband and my relationship with my God changed, just because taking some steps, some drastic steps to, to stay away from, uh, from things. Here's, what, uh, here's just a, a little saying that says this. There's, it's called, there's a hole in my sidewalk. I walk down the street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I fall in. I'm helpless. It isn't my fault. It takes forever to find a way out. Second thing, I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I pretend I don't see it. I fall in again. I can't believe I'm in the same place, but it isn't my fault. Third one, I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk. I see it there. I still fall in. It's a habit, but my eyes are open. I know where I am. It's my fault, and I get out immediately. I walk down the same street. There's a deep hole in the sidewalk, and I walk around it. And finally, I walk down a different street. And sometimes we just need to walk down a different street. If there's areas in our life, if there's things that that tempt us, we need to go down. How about this one? Don't sniff the bait. And what I mean by that is say I'm a fish and all of a sudden the, the, the lure goes over here. As long as I'm staying over here, no problem. I'm perfectly safe. There's not going to be any danger there. When does it become dangerous? It's when you take a second look and a third look. And then you start kind of circling, circling the bait, right? And then you start taking the, the little nibbles out of the bait. And then finally, 
you take that, you take that bite. And any fisherman knows that. When you see that bobber going down and everything just like this, you know, oh, it's just a matter of time, baby. Just a matter of time. Satan knows the same thing. And every time we take a second or third look, he's just doing this and he's just waiting for us to take. So the smartest thing to do is just stay away from the, from the bait all to, uh, all to together. And this is David. You, you see this pattern with David. And there was a time where the Bible says this. Watch this in, uh, in 2 Samuel 11. It says, in the spring, at the time when kings go off to war. Now, first of all, okay, what, uh, so it was, it was springtime. What position did David have? He was king, right? So what should David have been doing? He should have been off to war. So the fact that he was not off to war, that he was out, off uh, on a balcony up there, he was in the wrong place, and if, if he would have been off at war where he was supposed to be, none of the rest of this would have happened. So again, we need to be where we're supposed to be. The next thing is, so he says this, uh, one evening David got up from his bed and walked on the roof of the palace. From the roof he saw a woman bathing. The woman was very beautiful. Let me ask you again, at this point had he done anything wrong? No, I mean, he just looks out, he sees something, there's, there's now something that he sees, and there's a temptation. At this point, he has still done nothing wrong. Now, imagine if, if the rest of the story said this. So he saw that, and he realized he was tempted, so he walked back into the palace. That'd be a different story than what we have, right? Most of us know the rest of the story. Most of, a lot of us have, have done that story in one way or the other because we've done the same thing. That instead of, instead of going back in the palace, we've, we've in fact, one, uh, one movie, it has him just looking over the balcony so he can just get a better view and a better view and a better view. And the same thing, it's when we start, he starts circling the bait, and that's exactly what happens. First, he inquires of her. Then he, then he has her to come to, to his house, and what do you think is going to happen at that point? So he started circling the bait, and we see that transition going over and over and over. Uh, the other thing is consider your future. If the, church, if the church, if the fish could ask this question and really think and go, okay, where do I want to end up in life? Where do I want to end up? Do I want to end up as a fish stick at Captain D's? You know, do I want to end up on a, a, you know, mounted as a, as a trophy on somebody's, on somebody's wall? Or, you know, do I want to spend the rest of my life growing big and have fun and everything, being fat and sassy in Lake Norman for the rest of my life? That's a whole different thing, right? If it could really think about what am I going to do uh, and what, where do I want to go and everything, maybe the temptation wouldn't be as strong if you know I don't want to end there. I don't want to end there. I want to end here, so I'm not going to do the things that, t- that, take, me, uh, that, that take me there. And, and again, like a, a benign illustration, again, let's go back to that, uh, the, the ice cream shop. If that person just, you know, saying, I'm going to, you know, I want to go on a diet, that's one thing. But if the person says, I want to go on a diet because I want to fit in the, the dress for my, for my class reunion, all of a sudden they've got a goal. And that goal can take it to a different level. That goal can be much, uh, much stronger. And, you know, I'm pretty, I think I'm, I hope I'm pretty off, uh, open about temptations that I have in my life or things that I do that I screw up. Uh, one thing that I did right, that I've done right in my life is I've, ne- I've never had sex outside of marriage. Uh, and, and because a big thing of that is because I had a goal. When I, uh, when I was, uh, see, even before I was a Christian, I wanted to be able to look my wife in the eye and say, I saved myself for, for you. And, and I, I wanted to be able to say that, to, to look to God and say, God, I honored this person that you, that you, you gave me. And, and then I, you know, I also wanted, you know, the, us, we wanted to say, okay, God, we want to honor you. We want to honor you as, as our, our Lord and Savior. And we want to do this the, the right the right way. 
And so, um, and it sure helps to be dating somebody that has those same values and that same, the, the, uh, those, same, those same passions. But do you see when, it's like this, you know, the, the, the thing, uh, just say no to drugs. It's not that you just say, okay, just say no. What they do is they train the people and say this, here's why you say no. Because it will, it can ruin your body and will crush your dreams. That's why you don't say, that's why you say no. And think about this, if you've got two people and one that's never heard that and one that's made that decision of saying, I'm going to say no to drugs, I'm not saying this person is invulnerable to, to temptation, but they're at least one step up of going, here is why, I've got a goal, I'm considering my future, I'm considering where I'm going in my life, and therefore I'm going to make these decisions. And it is, it's the, it's the principle of the path. Where do you want to end up in life? What do you want to be able to, to say about your life or other people to say about you? And, and so if you want to go this way towards God and towards His, His Word and everything, but you can't can't go this way and get to there. So what are the things that are going to get you there? What are the things that you need to stay away from to go, to not go that way, to go this way? Consider our future as we, as we do that. Um, and then, and the last thing the fisherman wants is for, for us to consider what the bait is or consider a future, what would happen if I actually took this, this bait. Another thing is to, is to pray. Uh, the Lord's prayer, you know, you think it's a proactive prayer when you think about it. It's a prayer that's saying, that's saying this, God, Lord, keep me away from temptation. Lead me not into temptation. In other words, it's saying, God, I know there's going to be temptation out there. Please limit that. And God, keep me away from being stupid. Keep me away from just doing some, some stupid things. And then we can also pray in the middle of the temptation, can't we? We can pray in the middle of the temptation to say, God, you see right now, I'm struggling with this. I'm struggling with this and, and, and my flesh wants to do this. And so, God, I'm asking for your power. I'm asking for your self-control. I'm asking for your help in, in this. So prayer is a big part of, of this. Another thing is know and use the sword of the Spirit. The Bible says that the, the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. And you think about it, what was Jesus, in, in the, Jesus was tempted in the wilderness that we have three distinct things that, that Jesus was, was tempted with. And when you break it down, when you really break it down, it's the same temptations that you and I face. The first temptation that he had was, was to try to, to have a natural desire that was met in an unnatural way, an ungodly way, or in the ungodly timing. Aren't we tempted to do that a lot? That was the first temptation that he, that he had. Uh, the, the second temptation is, will I use God? Or will I serve God? Again, isn't that a huge temptation that we have, decision that we have to make? And there's the third one was, will I sell out in order to avoid pain? Will I sell out from God in order to keep myself happy and everything? Will I, will I sell out on, on God? But you know what Jesus did when every time he was tempted, here's what he did. He didn't say, hey, let's think about this. Let's talk about this. He gave him the word of God. He gave Satan the word of God and said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that's, that proceeds out of the mouth of God. He said, you shall not tempt the Lord thy God. He said, you will worship the Lord thy God and, and, and only him. Bam, bam, bam. It is written, it is written, it is written. And if we don't know the it is written, at least in our heart, of what God's saying, then, uh, then, then we can get toast. But if we know the word of God and every time Satan comes with a dart, we can come back with a, with a sword and say, it is written. You know, if we maybe you're tempted to lie and you say, no, you know, it is, it is written. Do not lie to each other anymore because you have put off the old self with its practices. And maybe you're tempted with, you know, with, with something of sexual immorality and it says, but among you there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or impurity or in greed for this is improper for God's holy people. And we have to know that the Bible says this, how can a young person keep his way pure by living according to your word? I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And anytime we have the word of God in our heart, when the temptation comes, it is so much better 
better. Again, it's not impervious, but it's so much better when we can come back. No, it is written. It is written. It is written. I'm not going to do that because it says in the word of God, this is what I'm supposed to, to do. Another thing is, um, is don't rationalize, resist. In, uh, the, the Bible says in, in James 4, 7, resist the devil and he will, what is, what's the word? Flee from you. And, and see, a lot of times we do rationalization. Now, I'm telling you as a pastor, I've heard every rationalization there, there is over, over the years. And here's, here's two of the big ones, okay, that, that, that people have. It's okay because my or our situation is different. It's okay if we do this because we're in love. It's okay if we do this, even though the Bible is clear about it, because, uh, because we're going to get married. It's, gonna, it's, uh, it's okay that we do this because it makes more sense for us fi- financially. Uh, and another thing is, uh, is, is this. If I give in to them this temptation, then it's going to be easier. The, I mean, it'll, it'll diminish. It'll go away if I give in to it just this one time. Let me ask you, is that ever true? Have I mean, you ever given in to temptation and it said, okay, you're good for the rest of your life? I mean, it, it absolutely, the, the more you feed the temptation, the more you feed the flesh, the bigger the flesh gets, not the less. It's the law of diminishing returns, right? I mean, if you've ever seen the, 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 the play or the movie, Little Shop of Horrors, you know that there's this little plant and it says, feed me, Seymour, and the guy pricks his, pricks his finger and gives it a little bit of blood. And it doesn't say, the plant doesn't say, all right, we're done, we're good, I'm good. What does it say? feed me Seymour, and it's a little bigger, and he feeds it some more, and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger until it controls him instead of him controlling it. And again, every one of us know exactly what that's, that's talking about. It does not diminish when we feed the flesh. The flesh gets bigger and bigger and bigger, just like a wolf, just like a lion would as we feed, uh, as we feed it. And, and, uh, and watch what it says when we, when we resist. It says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. And again, I want you to think about a salesperson that's coming up to you, maybe a telemarketer, and you don't want, you don't want to do anything. You do, want, do not want to buy this. And there's two really different ways. And I've seen people, I was watching this at the mall just the other day as somebody was handing out stuff. And there's people who do this, one of two things, no, thank you, I'm not interested. And boom, they're gone. And the other is just, there's that moment of hesitation. And what happens with that moment of hesitation? The people have them at least to be able to share their, you know, what, they're, what they're wanting to do. And again, when Satan comes our way and we just say, not interested, go back to hell where you belong. That temptation just seems to diminish almost instantaneously. But if we just start playing for that little moment, that little moment, that little moment, again, Satan knows, man, I may have a sale here, right? And so, uh, again, but when we, when we resist, he'll split. Um, another thing is do what's necessary, flee when necessary. Uh, there's this great passage, again, going back to Joseph. He showed us perfectly how to handle temptation. And here's what happened. And remember, she's been tempting him day in and day out. He's trying to stay away from her the best he can, but here comes the day of, a day of reckoning. One day, he went into the house to attend to his duties, and none of the household servants was inside. She caught him by his cloak and said, come to bed with me. But he, he left the cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. He didn't say, hey, let's just sit down and everything. Usually, usually fleeing is a sign of cowardice. But there's times when fleeing is a sign of wisdom and it's a sign of strength and it's a sign of courage. An example of that would be somebody in our church there. The mom told, said, you know, my, my son did something the other day that I'm so proud of him. Said he was at a party and he called me up and he said, mom, they're doing stuff here that I'm st- starting to do stuff that I'm very uncomfortable with, that I do not feel comfortable with. Will you please come and get me? 
She said she's never been more proud of her, of her son in life. Not, she didn't say, man, you are such a coward. Why don't you stay in there and just try to take, you know, just, no. She said, man, there's sometimes the smartest thing we can do, just get out of Dodge, get out of the situation, because when we get out of the situation, the temptation vanishes. Um, and don't go through the temptation uh, alone. This is a big one. Um, I have uh, had a dog named, named Zoe. She was a golden retriever. And when we first moved into a, to our house, there was a, what we had is, we, we didn't have a fence up yet because somebody was going to build us a, a fence. And I had to ch- chain my dog to, the, to her dog house out, uh, outside when she, was not, when she was not inside. And so one day, I, I don't know why, and it, of course it was on a Sunday morning, uh, at about four in the morning, I was, I was sleeping downstairs. It's the first time, only time I, I ever remember doing that. But all of a sudden, I heard my dog barking. And you know the difference, if you're, the difference between your dog barking, roof, 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 and alarm, 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 there's a problem, there's a problem, there's a problem, right? And so this was the, there's a problem. And I go outside, and there is a skunk that is spraying my dog. Okay, I mean, just spraying. So I run into the house real quick. I get two brooms and I go outside and I start pushing the, you know, pushing the, the, the skunk away and I push it around the other side of the house with two, with two brooms. And I'm going back and I'm checking on my dog and everything. And there's, you know, we didn't even have the yard in at that time. So there's dirt clods everywhere. And I look around and here comes, here comes the skunk again. And, and so, so I turn around and I throw a dirt clod at it and, and just went close to it. And again, this skunk keeps coming. Okay, so now I'm throwing the, the dirt clods at the skunk, right? And, and, and it hit it, and it keeps coming. And now I'm playing Nolan Ryan, man. I am, I'm firing this thing, and it's hitting it in there, and it keeps coming. And I reach to get the, the brooms again, and all of a sudden, the, the, uh, the skunk reaches or lunges out and bites my dog. At this point, it's on, y'all, Okay. I love animals, but man, nobody's, no skunk's going to bite my dog. So I just now take the broom, and now I'm not pushing it away. I'm smacking this thing with the, well, with the broom until it's, until it's just laying there like this. So I go inside, and I get a shovel to, to bury the thing, and I come out, and Freddy Krueger's skunk is now back alive again. And I'm now, oh, so, so now I'm, I'm uh, what I have is, it is trying to get to me and it's trying to get to my dog. And I'm maneuvering the doghouse in front between me and it, and me and it you know, and, and, and my dog. And, and all of a sudden the skunk looked away for a second. Right? Bam! I hit the skunk with, with that. And I don't know, man, I have so much adrenaline going on at this point. I'm over the skunk going, you ain't nothing! You ain't nothing! And I'm, I'm out doing this, and, and, and people, I have neighbors that now are, they said they were watching, and somebody else was watching, and nobody came out to see what I'm doing. I'm yelling, I'm smacking something in the middle of the night, nobody comes out to rescue me, nobody comes out to say, they're just going, oh, it's just Lowell again, right? And so, so here's, the, here's the thing, my dog needed my help right then. She couldn't have done this on her own, she chained up, and there's, there's so many people that are chained to their the temptation and 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 we sometimes can be chained to the temptation whatever that whatever that is and sometimes we need outside help don't we and we need to be uh, you know I think every one of us need counselors every one of us just need to go through life and just things you know be able to share things with uh, with with people but sometimes maybe your your temptation is to just fly off the handle and, and anger maybe that's your temptation it comes from something deeper. It comes from a wound. And maybe go after that wound with a, with a counselor. Maybe it's, it's lust. And again, that goes after a deep, there's a deeper wound there that's something that you're covering up, just a, an issue there, and go after that. Otherwise, it's just like, it's just like you know, the, like, 
cutting the, the top off a weed, as long as you don't get to the root, it's just going to grow back and sometimes even, even feistier than it, was, than it was before. Go after that. And here's the thing, uh, here's the thing too, is, is have friends to go through that with you. If you're struggling with a temptation, share that with people. Share that with people because they can pray for you. They can encourage you. They can challenge you. They can, they can hold you accountable, right? In fact, here's a, a story that was in um, uh, Charles Stanley's book on temptation. It says this. I love this. It says, this is the story about Al and Randy. The names have been changed. It was a Thursday night of exam week, and both Al and Randy had taken their last exams that afternoon. They were ready to paint the town that evening. Since they were both believers, painting the town amounted to going out to eat and driving around town with the sunroof open. On the way to pick up Randy, Al stopped by the apartment next door to see if Stacy would like to go along. Stacy and Al hadn't ever really dated, but being next-door neighbors, they did see each other frequently. Stacy was not doing anything that evening, so she decided to join the boys for an evening of harmless fun. Al and Randy were pretty wound up from, uh, from being cooped up all week studying. As the evening wore on, Randy couldn't help noticing that Stacy and Al were getting pretty cozy, cozy with each other. After a while, it became obvious that ran, uh, to Randy that they were already uh, ready to take him home so they could be alone. As they dropped him off, Randy had an uneasy feeling about Al and Stacy. He knew Al pretty well, well enough that uh, he was not acting like himself. Heading upstairs to his apartment, he grew increasingly worried about Al and Stacy. They were both believers, but they had apparently gotten caught up in the excitement of the moment. Randy went inside and called Al on the phone. It was just as he expected to hear Stacy talking in the background. Alan uh, had invited her over. Al, this is Randy, he said. I'm coming over to spend the night with you. Al admitted that he had gotten mad when Randy announced that he was coming over. He didn't even ask me if he could come. He just told me to get ready. By the time Randy showed up, Stacy was gone. Al had fixed Randy a pallet by the, on the floor by his bed. As Al related this story to me, he said, we both lay there in the dark several minutes without saying a word. Finally, I said, Thanks. That's all I had to say, was I had needed to say. He understood. No problem, he said. I know you would have done the same thing for me. Now that's accountability. Sometimes an accountability partner has to take an active role in the temptation process. We all need a friend like Randy, someone who's willing to, to risk criticism for the sake of our spiritual growth and moral protection. Solomon put it this way, better an open rebuke than love that's concealed. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but deceitful are the, the kisses of an enemy. You know, I knew a, a, a while back in a situation, I was going into a situation that could be tempting. Uh, and I knew that, uh, you know, I had no intention of ever doing anything. And again, I had that, the whole thing of thinking of my, thinking of my, my future and, and, and all that. But I knew I was going into a situation. So I wanted to get, I wanted to get a booster shot, you know. I wanted to get a booster shot. So I asked some friends, I said, three friends, I said, I want you, when I come home, when I come back, I want you to ask me how I did. And I want you to look me in the eye and I'm going to have to tell you how I did. And then I said something else too. I said to one person, I said, I want you to text me every day asking how I'm doing. And again, just, you know, again, I had no intention of ever doing anything wrong, but just knowing that was there, that accountability made it where it was even, what, what could have even been a little temptation was no temptation at, uh, at all. Have accountability. Don't go through it uh, alone. Another thing is re- remember who you are. And we're really going to talk about that kind of a, another, another time. Just remember that you, that you are not, you are a child of the living king. And if that can help you through temptation, you just remember who you are. You're not just a person. You're a child of the living king. And that can help you. Another thing is, and here's the big thing, is just to pause. Because Satan wants to say this. He wants us to think that we have to fill out that temptation right away, immediately, go do, do it, whatever it is you're being tempted. And if we just pause and we think about all that we've just said, 
You know, we just think about, we consider our future. We consider that this thing has a hook. We consider of who's the one that's giving, that's giving this. And it's for a purpose of hurting us. And, 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 and God would have us do another thing. If we just pause and we just remember who we are, if we just pause and remember and just take a moment, step back, I'll tell you the temptation just, just has a way of diminishing. If we, jump, if we immediately jump on that, but if we pause and just take a time, pray, remember the word of God in whatever that situation is, it has a way of, uh, of diminishing in a, in a big way. And I want to go back to, to just that, um, me saying, you ain't nothing, you ain't nothing to the, to the, to the skunk, is this. It's, um, you know, there's one of the greatest things, feelings on this earth is when something's been biting you or something's been biting your friend or something's been doing that. And finally, you have victory over it. Finally, you're starting to be able to say, be able to, you're seeing no in ways that you used to say yes every time. Finally, you're seeing, you're seeing, you're getting to the other side of that and it does not have the hook anymore. And now when it plops in, you're just going, been there, done that, don't want to do that anymore. And this, there's nothing that, that bugs Satan more than knowing that lure doesn't affect you anymore. And it's one of the greatest things to just be able to look at that thing and say, you ain't nothing in my life anymore. God is bigger. And remember again, no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will provide a way out so that you can stand up under it. And if we could bow our head and pray right now. And if the, the, the prayer team could come forward. And again, every single one of us, myself included, there's times we fall into temptation. And we just need to be able to say, um, maybe, maybe one big way we can do that is just say, God, forgive me. God, forgive me that this thing has owned me. This thing has had way more control in my life. This thing has hooked me. And God, forgive me for that. Whatever that is for you, whatever the, the temptation or temptations that have just seemed to have your number, and say, God, forgive me. And repentance is saying, God, not only do I acknowledge that, but I want to go a different way. And so, God, give us the strength. Give us self-control in a deeper way than ever before. We pray that, God, through, through, through the power that you've given us on the, on the inside, we know it's always going to be greater than the pressure on the outside. And so, maybe just spend a moment with prayer. God, what's he telling you? What's he telling you? What's he saying to, to cut off the hand, to cut off the foot, to, to gouge out the eye? What are some steps you can take to get away from the peer? If that's a person, if that's a place, if it's an internet site, if it's things that are in your life right now. What are the drastic steps that you can take that's the godly drastic step? What's the bait that right now you've been... You've been taking a second or third look towards, or you've been, you've been circling, or maybe you've been nibbling or you've taken a bite. So God, you see our need, you see our struggle, and we pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And all God's people said, amen.